Hello and welcome to Catholic Parents Online, a YouTube and podcast channel where we share tips and resources on Catholic parenting. This is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Parenting Team of the Apostolate for Catholic Truth. Presented with the lens of the Theology of the Body, we will see how we can be a sincere gift of ourselves to our kids in ways that will help them find true happiness and flourish in accordance with God's wonderful plan for each and every one of them. My name is John Hui and I'm your host for this series. Today we'll be talking about sexual abuse of minors and the steps we can take as parents to protect our children. And we are very privileged and delighted once again to have with us Dr. Christopher Chok. Dr. Chok is a psychiatrist, senior consultant and chief with the Department of Forensic Psychiatry at the Institute of Mental Health. He was formerly the clinical director of the National Addictions Management Service and head of psychological medicine at Kutikpat Hospital. He has published three books on mental health and 20 research papers in peer-reviewed journals. Certainly an expert who has lots of wisdom and experience to share with us. We hope this interview with him will give us insights as to how we can protect our children from this terrible scourge of sexual abuse. Welcome to Catholic Parents Online, Christopher. Yeah, so to give a background to our discussion today, the Child Protection Service at the uh, Ministry of Social and uh, Family Development, MSF, investigated 443 cases of sexual abuse of children in 2021. It's an 11-year high and an increase of 70% from the 261 cases investigated in 2020. That's a lot. This, and this is also a whopping six times more than the 70 cases of sexual abuse reported in 2012. Just 10 years ago, certainly every single case of such abuse is really one too many. Um, but this trend is certainly of grave concern and indeed very worrying right, for us as parents and for our children. Um, and really, we as parents need to find ways and means to protect our children from this. right? So uh, maybe as a start, it might be good for us to perhaps define our terms. How would you define sexual abuse of uh, minors? I think there are many scenarios where the sexual abuse occurs. I mean, it can be within the home or outside the home. Uh, sometimes um, uh, many of the cases that I have come across actually occurs within the home, within intrafamilial relationships. Uh, and most commonly it's with a step parent and a step uh, child. But we also know that sometimes things happen outside the home and uh, uh, I, I know what I'm going to say is just anecdotal, uh, it doesn't mean it's uh, a trend, uh, but sometimes it happens in places where there's an adult and there's a child um, and there's sometimes there is an unequal power relationship between the adult and the child. Uh, it happens in schools, uh, it happens in organizations uh, where you know, these sort of things happen. Um, and um, unfortunately, um, this is what, what it is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what are the causes of sexual abuse? Why, why do people abuse? You know? uh, I, I do think that there are many reasons why people abuse. Um, I, I think. Um, I'll just talk about the whole spectrum. On on the one hand, um, there, there's this uh, situation where uh, the opportunities for sexual interaction uh, is limited because they, they are in small homes. 
um, their social interaction and opportunities are few. So they, because it's opportunistic, um, and that's why they abuse. Okay, these these are those intrafamilial types. Uh. Then there are those uh, instances where uh, it's out there in the open in the community, and in these cases, um, there are people who have a certain desire, a certain, I guess, uh, orientation and desire, and then the, they actually predate their predatory on a certain young, maybe vulnerable, uh, vulnerable early teen mm. sort of person. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this person doesn't know better, they're exploring, and then uh, these things happen. And then there's another group also, um, realistically, because in, in our society, there are disadvantaged families. And um, sometimes the children from these disadvantaged families seek um, relationship, they seek attention, and I, I sometimes it's a very, I guess, uh, un, undesirable uh, situation whereby there is a, someone who is a predator, who knows how to cultivate, and then there is a vulnerable victim that comes from this situation where uh, they never had a love or attention and someone showers them attention, mm, gives and right. opportunities to eat at reasonably nice places mm. in, 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 you know, in your neighborhood. Mm. The opportunities they will never have mm. and they, they didn't know better. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think these are the reasons why I guess child abuse happens. It's, mm. a, it's a just this uh, unfortunate situation where there is a mix of a predator and a vulnerable victim mm. and, and it comes together. Right, right. Um, are we able to recognize a sexual abuser? You know, as parents, sometimes we want to protect our children, right? And then we see them in contact with so many adults outside the house, whether it's in school or in public transport or on the school bus even and things like that. So how can, can parents in a way be able to recognize uh, a, a sexual abuser when we see one or no, there's no way we can recognize, you know, or we, at least a suspect. I, I think in, in reality, there is a spectrum. Right? I mean, I think that there are, sometimes there are certain people who I, I guess uh, we are very suspicious of, but uh, what is what is more scary, I, I say, I mean, the, the, the people that we are suspicious of and we protect our children from them, I think that, that is the safe zone mm. and confident zone that we're in. Yeah. I think what is more disconcerting for parents uh, is that there's a whole spectrum of people that would be, you wouldn't even suspect. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You wouldn't even think about it. Mm. Yeah. They camouflage themselves very well. They camouflage themselves very well and um, they, uh, you know, you because we don't know much about them actually. They, 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 they represent a certain person in society. You know, um, uh, in the face of our children's development, they are there because they are needed as part of their education or that mm. sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but we wouldn't understand that. We also don't understand the motivations 
sometimes of our children too because sometimes they themselves are exploring so it's sometimes this very um i guess uh, um unholy mix mm. of uh mm. of uh, enthusiasm and wonder mm. and and then when it's mixed up with the predatory nature of the person um, then it becomes uh, that right. sort of situation. Right, right. Is there a kind of like a, we might say a modus operandi uh, within which these abusers usually work is such that we can perhaps tell our children, you know, if this happens and there are these people who behave this way, you better watch out. Mm. Okay. I, I think coming from a mental health background, we are uh, quite, uh, I guess, um, I guess for us we have ethics yeah. so 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 for from a mental health worker point of view we have our own uh, code of ethics but i think for the rest of i guess singapore for example depending on the organization they work for is for them to define their ethics mm -hmm. so i i dare say that sometimes that um, depending on um, the situation you're in and who the perpetrator is, they, they, they really must uh, see where the ethical boundary is. Because I guess if you are in a position whereby, okay, I mean, when it comes to child sexual abuse, um, there is always, uh, I guess, someone more in power and someone more vulnerable. And, and I guess uh, the person that is in a more powerful position uh, depending on his profession and the ethical boundaries that he is, he has to abide by. Mm -hmm. um, he has to, um, I guess, confine himself to that. But if he can't, um, I, I don't blame the the victim because the victim yeah. is typically a younger person, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't understand the whole world of mm -hmm. ethics and all, yeah. all that jazz, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, sometimes, uh, depending on where he comes from. Uh, if he comes from this disadvantaged family where he didn't get the love, the, the attention, and someone showers him with all this love and attention, mm -hmm. I think he can be very confused. Yes. Yeah, he can be very, very confused. And um, and I, I've seen cases whereby it's inexplicable. It can, it can be understood. I can't even understand some of the reasons why some of these people have done it. And they can't even understand themselves, mm. too, why they have done such a thing. But I think uh, we, we, at the end of this all, I think we must try to, I guess, be um, careful. We were careful with our emotions um, and, and our needs and mm. be able to um, mm. contain them uh, yeah. in, in that sense. Yeah, sure. Well, I think if that's the case, right, uh, it would seem that it is very important for parents to, in a way, form a relationship with the children in such a way that the children will be able to confide in the parents more easily with everything that happens outside the home. Um, I would imagine that the many of these sexual abusers, after they've done what they have done or they are grooming the children, they might actually tell the children, don't tell your parents or don't tell anyone else. This is a script between the two of us. I, I, I think what you say is very relevant. Um, the cases that I've handled, I think many times the family were very disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. And I think the perpetrators um, somehow knew that either knowingly or instinctually mm. they kind of figured it out and um, this is where the danger is i think if as parents um, if we strive to build that home uh, where we uh, 
you know, with uh, making a safe environment for our children. We are not too judgmental, so critical. Uh, I, I, I say this very uh, fervently that I, I, I can tell you that I, uh, I've seen many situations in my career. And I, I dare say that uh, many humans, there's a whole spectrum of mm. human existence. Uh, mm. um, not all children will be the perfect child that uh, you wish for them to be. Uh, you know, there's a spectrum. And if we can accept of children that uh, for their perf their ability, their performance, the, the and there is no way we can get the 10-year series child that we <laughs> wish, you know. Yeah. Uh, but things will be alright in the end, you know. Uh, and if I can say uh, love is everything, you know. Um, Things will be alright in the end. It will never be uh, what we dreamt of uh, as the child we want them to be. But I think if we can relate to them, mm -hmm. I think if we can uh, accept them for the persons that they are, mm -hmm. uh, then in the end, they will be alright. Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of hurt. Yeah. Okay. I've it's... seen a lot of hurt in my, in my career. I mean, uh, I, I can't talk about it in this podcast. Certainly. But uh, you can probably slice this up. But I mean, I'm just saying that uh, we've seen a lot of things. Uh, yes. And all, I, all what I'm trying to say is that um, we just have to uh, accept the variety there is in, 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 in our world. Yeah, certainly. Um, it would seem that what you have just said uh, really reaffirms the conviction that parents, we need to have a good connection with our children and a very good positive relationship with them uh, such that they can really be affirmed of our love for them mm -hmm. and they feel secure in our love for them and therefore will be less vulnerable yes and and yeah so i, I think you're absolutely right i mean i think this idea is that uh, if you you if you find that yeah uh, we are imperfect parents ourselves tell me all about it <laughs> we, are, we, we are imperfect parents ourselves uh, our children are imperfect and, and but as long as we try to bridge this uh, gap between ourselves and our children and the idea that uh, you know uh, we are trying to relate and uh, the bridge that binds us is this idea of acceptance and love um, I we hope that they'll find that the, the home is a happy safe place they'd rather be um, it's, it's nicer to be at home yes I want to go to McDonald's and Starbucks for a while but home is where uh, you know, I'm most comfortable. I think most likely it'll, it'll be all right most of the time. I cannot say all the time, mm -hmm. but most of the time. Yeah, I think where the home is a sanctuary, right, for yeah. for our children to want to be in. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the soonest moment I try to escape, right? Yeah. When I wake, I have breakfast and I have my Milo and I try to run out. Yeah, yeah. before the 10 year series comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think we. Uh, in all the homes that we have, I think if if we could try to make this place a safe place and hap a happy place, a uh, home doesn't need to be a high performance place. It doesn't need to be a successful place where everyone can talk about their success. But a home is a safe place. Uh, I think that's more important. Yeah, yeah certainly. I remember the last time uh, my youngest daughter was in the second three or secondary four. And I went up to meet with the teacher and um, the teacher was uh, telling 
me about my daughter and saying how much I should be pushing her and things like that. And I said, I, it doesn't matter. She's really trying her best. I can't ask for more. So that, that's all I ask for, you know, that, yeah. that, that's it. And the teacher gave me a certain look and said, you're not pushing your daughter hard enough. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. So I went home, I told my daughter all about it, and uh, yeah. we both had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, um, with parents, right, um, in a sense, we want to, in a way, find ways to protect our children and prevent this thing from happening to them huh, in the first place. Uh, is there a way in which we can talk to them in an age appropriate manner to prepare them and so that they can know? In the things they can do and the things they should not do in order that they can be more protected? Um, I, I think that most of the time that, uh, at least in my work, at least uh, the, the victims, um, okay, within the, with, within, in the child sexual abuse, um, the cases that we've seen um, tend to be, uh, intrafamilial tend to be uh, female, okay, but outside the um, outside the home uh, they tend to be male okay um, uh, certainly some some of them uh, I wouldn't say it's abuse but they are violated mm -hmm. because of molest and things like that yeah but uh, when it comes to this type of uh, uh, re recurrence of abuse um, outside the home it tends to be male maybe the women don't get reported I, I don't know okay but what, what I'm trying to say is that within the family part, um, I, I guess um, they, they need to know the boundaries. Uh. I, think, I think children need to know the boundaries yeah. where touch is reasonable and where touch is not reasonable. And certainly I think that touch, um, if I may, touch uh, at the private parts, mm. uh, the vagina and mm. all that, the breast, Mm. I think these are unreasonable, yes. and and we should we should draw that line mm. uh, where that is. Yeah. Um, I think outside the family, I think, um, I think in in the teenage years, some people have curiosity. Mm. Some people, you know, want wish to explore the world. Yeah, and and they find themselves in unusual situations. Mm. Uh, but um, I, I dare say that um, I, I dare say that um, uh, most importantly, I think is that you know where uh, where wrong stops, uh. and 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 legally, I, I need to say this that, that under sixteen years old, any consent for sexual activities is void. Uh. Mm. So even if sexual activities happen and and people are are party and agreeable to it, and they're under sixteen. That in the eyes of law is not cons consent. Uh. Mm. Yeah. I I I think that um, uh, they need to understand that um, um, sometimes um, this power relationship between a senior and and a junior um, can be manipulated. I I do not know how to teach people this. It's just that uh, I think parents need to teach people. I don't think this podcast has to yeah. teach people this. Apparently, to teach people to be careful that that in our world there will be people, uh, there will be perpetrators out there who have their own, I guess, motivations, mm. their own desires, their own insecurities, and their own orientation, mm. and we just need to be aware, <laughs> to be careful of these people, and yeah. say, uh, 
enough is enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and um, actually talking about good touch and bad touch kind of thing, right? I think there are some good materials out there. There are some, even some books. I can't remember the author right now offhand, but I'll, I'll try to check out and maybe I'll just put the link with this podcast and mm-hmm. some of these uh, resources for parents to mm-hmm. uh, look up, you know? So yeah. I think they can actually look up these books and they, which will actually guide them on how to talk to their children, I think, on, on what is good touch and bad touch and how to get the children to um, talk to them if, uh, on a regular basis eh? uh, in order to be able to detect any early signs of danger. I think what's important is is to to uh, maybe talk to children about uh, about boundaries. Mm. Uh, meaning to say that it's perfectly well and good when it comes to peer and peer relationships and that sort of thing. But I think in in the schooling years, uh, when uh, someone very very senior uh, starts to engage you, you know and um, goes beyond what seems um, normal, meaning to say, I'm not saying that all these things are bad, Mm. but when it comes to buying meals, treating you to movies, um, you know, even I think when a scene, uh, uh, someone very senior invites you to your home alone, some of these things are red flags. And we need to to teach our children this because Mm. I mean, we're not saying that all these things are all bad, mm. but let's say that these things uh, are red flags for you to be on higher alert mm. to say that uh, what's going on here, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so avoid compromising situations. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, for a child, they may think it's quite nice, right? Yeah. I mean, I have special access to my senior and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I think one also has also see the other side of the coin to mm. say that okay uh well uh, well i can go there and be curious mm. but i need to know when mm. things are getting creepy mm. and that, that sort of thing mm. and 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 be able to extricate yourself from creepiness uh, yeah so that you don't find yourself compromised right right well so i guess this is what parents will have to do number one is to actually have that good relationship with our children yep. affirm them well be there for them and you know, have a good avenue of communication with them so that they are more open and trusting when they talk to us so that you know we can actually find out more from them as to what's happening in their lives and Mm -hmm. be able to advise them if we think that something's not so right yeah yeah so i think these are so important for us uh, parents right now is there any way in which let's say despite our best efforts right like you said sometimes once in a while there might be a possibility that despite our best efforts our children might still be subjected to some form of abuse is there any way in which we can detect early signs of abuse especially if this lay let's say this uh, a child has been you know um possibly abused and then the abuser actually tells them from a position of authority don't tell anyone else right is there any way in which parents can recognize some signs that are symptoms that might really tell us okay i think we need to be a bit more um careful now i think that uh, um the what I'm gonna say applies not just to abuse. It's mm-hmm. just that when there's a sudden shift in the child's life, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it could be a broken relationship, it could be bullying, it could be abuse, and it's uh, because I mean um, mm-hmm. the way humans react is not so specific. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when you start to see a child withdraw um, from your social life, from meals to barricade themselves in the room, um, spending hours um, on computer games, and even uh, missing school. 
I think I, to, to, to me, um, for teenager at least, uh, um, dropping out of school uh, is a red flag. Okay? Mm. Not because of academics or anything, mm. just something is going on. Mm. Mm. Um, from my perspective, uh, from my work experience, I know I, I can name 20 reasons why a child goes not, does not want to go to school. I but, used 10 of them in the past, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think from a parent point of view, uh, uh, they may think it's just academic or bullying. Uh, um, I, I can name you 18 other reasons why a mm. child doesn't want to go to school. Mm. Uh, all of them are nasty. Mm. Um, and, and, and because the parent, because uh, in, in, my, in my job, I guess I see a breath. But as a parent, you just see one or two. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess um, um, we should be uh, suspicious uh, if a child, number one, barricades themselves in a room, number two, doesn't want to join you for your meals, number three, uh, stops their uh, attending school or social life, you know, um, and number four, um, doesn't bother about their self-care, leave their hair long, um, you know, don't bathe and mm. uh, things like that. This self-care aspect. Uh. Mm. And I, I know it's difficult as parents to be able to bridge this. The child will never tell us what's going on. In this instance, if the child doesn't want to tell you what's going on, I think one option is to reach out for help. Uh, reach out for help either at the at a family service center in your neighborhood or counseling center in your neighborhood. Um, if if you if they are willing to reach out, maybe to a professional in the hospital and things like that, mm. but even then, it's still very difficult for the child to even come out even to a professional. Yeah. So I'm not saying professionals are great, however, it's absolutely saying that uh, it's the comfort of the child uh, coming saying what is really really going on in their lives. Uh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so it looks like we've, we've covered quite a lot already in terms of the preventive measures parents can take in building their relationship with the child. And then at the same time, because they've built that relationship with the child, they can recognize when something is not right. When mm -hmm. the child starts behaving differently and then withdrawing. Yeah. yeah? Uh, so with that relationship, we can actually be able to detect much faster and much yeah. earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, once we can actually detect these, we can actually, besides going in to talk with our children ourselves, we can also actually engage some help from outside where our immediate family whether it's in the school or um, professional services counselors uh, psychologists psychiatrists family service centers and all so these are the and of course uh, uh, pastors spiritual directors yeah uh, so these are, i guess are the various ways in which we can really uh, step in to uh, be proactive in helping our children Yes, yes. Okay, that's the great. I think you, you have uh, really covered so much in, in this uh, little podcast, but maybe before we end off, is there any other words of advice you'd like to give to uh, our Catholic parents you know, before we uh, conclude? Um, I, I say this uh, to every, every time I, I talk about this topic. Um, the children, our children should not be the persons that we uh, never hope, that we wish that we never achieve. We should not project all our unmet needs into our children. Yes, uh, I think we will never be able to run that marathon. Yes, we will never climb that mountain. We don't wish for our children to run that marathon or, or run or climb that mountain. Um, 
I, I think uh, the skill in parenting is really to be able to understand where we are and, and, and what our children's abilities are and not what we project them to be. And, 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 and when they cannot achieve what we hope and project them to be, that's where the frustration mm. comes, comes in. Mm. Uh, they, they are themselves, they are an individual. Mm. And um, I, 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 I will just want to quote one, one of the most very mm. um, uh, nice poems I've, I've heard. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, that our, our children come through you, mm. uh, but they'll never be, you know, what you want them to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and this is so true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, among all our kids, uh, they come from the same factory. They're all different products. They're all different products. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and 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 we just want them to. I mean, most important is to impart good values. Uh, know that. Uh, I mean, I mean, the truth is that when we journey through life, there are lots of trouble that we will go through. Um, just know that uh, family is always a safe harbor. Uh, when you come home no matter what nonsense you have in your external life, in your private life, uh, you'll be accepted in this home. Uh, I, I think that's what uh, we aspire to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can't be any more right than that. Yeah, yeah fully agree with you. Mm -hmm. right. Thanks so much, Christopher. And uh, it's been uh, really wonderful to have you once again to uh, share your time and your expertise and your insights with us. Yeah. So for me, it has been a very truly eye-opening experience huh, to really and sobering too, to, to actually see, to hear what's been happening and uh, what is happening. And I think it can, can be rather scary for parents, but I think this is a, a, a very good resource for parents to turn to. And thank you very much once again for sharing your expert in, insights with us. So yes, thank you so much once again, Christopher, and uh, we look forward to seeing you sometime again. Thank you, John. Friends, we just heard from Dr. Christopher Chop, Senior Consultant and Chief with the Department of Forensic Psychiatry at the Institute of Mental Health, who spoke to us about sexual abuse of minors, and what we can do as parents, whether it be from the preventive point of view or early detection. So till we meet again next time, this is John Hui signing off on Cutting Parents Online. Take care and may God bless you and the family always. Goodbye.